We join on the line now by Nadir Token, analyst at 27.4 Investment Managers. Nadir, let's start by taking a look at uh, Eurozone inflation data that came out yesterday. Yeah, look, I mean, it was a very disappointing number again, uh, you know, and it puts the ECB in quite a quandary. If we look at uh, the top line number, 0.2% inflation for December, so still um, way, way below the uh, European Central Bank's 2% target uh, for inflation, and low oil prices are really hurting inflation globally, isn't it? Uh, Global central banks are trying to combat this low inflation environment to try and spur growth and get growth going, but uh, despite their best efforts in terms of uh, ramping up quantitative easing and indicating to markets that are gonna, they're going to be extending quantitative easing programs. Um, you know, we're still sort of battling to see inflation uh, getting anywhere high, anywhere near the central bank's targets. I mean, uh, I think the U- we, we thought that uh, the U.S. was way below the targets at around 1.3%, uh, but the Eurozone is even worse. You know, I think uh, growth there, you know, while there is growth, it is exceptionally sluggish, and uh, the fact that there's such low inflation is not is not helping that. So I think when we see the ECB next meet, uh, we could see possibly a further cut in the deposit rate. Um, you know, and instead of extending the QE program, we could see them ramping up the QE program in terms of increasing the amount of bonds which they're buying each month. Uh, you know, to try and get uh, to try and spur some sort of inflation because of the oil price at thirty six dollars a barrel. That pass through effect is really hampering inflation, uh, Sakina, because uh, not only is there no demand side inflation, but uh, the demand pull inflation, but uh, there's no cost push inflation given that uh, oil prices are remaining as low as they are. You know, at least in, in, in the emerging markets, inflation is a problem because the currencies have weakened very, very drastically. Um, you know, but whereas in the developed markets, that, that hasn't necessarily been the case. I mean, we've seen the euro hold steady at around one euro, eight, uh, $1.08 cents to the euro for a very long period of time now. So, you know, a very weak currency hasn't had an inflationary effect in the Eurozone. So we're going to have to see Mario Draghi uh, pull a rabbit out of the hat, so to speak, and possibly ramp up the QE program at the next ECB meeting to try and get inflation going. Mm. And the impact of the higher interest rates in the U.S. on equities, Nadir? Yeah, look, I mean, obviously, uh, in the, in, in, in the, in the high yield space, you know, we've seen a number of bankruptcies because the cost of interest goes up. Um, you know, and that's to be expected, particularly in the energy sector, as we've mentioned earlier this week. Um, you know, and those companies are really battling with the lower oil, oil price and the oil price being sustained under $50 a barrel for an extended period of time. Um, you know, but it's not only the high yield space and it's not only the energy sector which is going to feel the pain of high interest rates. You know, for a very long period of time, high yield dividend stocks um, have attracted a lot of investors in the global search for yield because investors have been so desperate for yield because interest rates have been anchored so low. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of inflows into the high dividend paying stocks. So that would be the likes of the utilities, the likes of the very defensive uh, blue chip stocks, uh, you know, the like, and, and, and Nestle would be a great example of that. Um, the, the, the stocks which, uh, you know, have very strong cash flows but are sort of at a mature, mature part of their cycle and uh, as a result of not being able to grow their earnings aggressively, pay very strong dividends because they have strong cash flows. Now, those companies have witnessed a very strong inflow since the end of the global financial crisis and, uh, you know, we ha- we've seen that the earnings haven't been able to keep up with the extent at which their prices have appreciated. So we've seen massive price-to-earnings appreciation 
and uh, all of a sudden that uh, yield story is not going to be as attractive as interest rates go up. Um, you know, so we could see some of these stocks entering uh, precarious territory if they're not able to grow their earnings more aggressively. And, uh, you know, given that they're reaching some po- uh, sort of points of saturation, but they're trying to, uh, you know, explore new markets in order to grow their earnings, particularly Nestle entering the likes of Africa and uh, the possible prospects, one billion uh, middle class, or one billion uh, citizens of the world entering the middle class sort of over the next 20 years will have on consumption in these countries and be an earnings tailwind in these countries, um, you know, something that Nestle is trying to pick up from a thematic point of view. But uh, the bottom line is for next quarter's earnings, for next year's earnings, that's unfortunately not going to filter through. So we could see high-yield dividend-paying stocks uh, in a somewhat of a volatile position as the Federal Reserve continues to increase interest rates through 2016. And then just finally, Nadir, um, we've been talking about the volatility of the markets, especially yesterday, and now China's intervention in the stock market trying to restore some calm there. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, uh, Monday was a massive sell-off, wasn't it? I mean, if we quantify it in terms of uh, the scale of the sell-off, it was $590 billion, which was wiped off the Chinese stock market. The route obviously spread to the rest of the world. I mean, we saw the Dow and uh, the the, 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 uh, indices across Europe and the emerging markets selling off quite vociferously on the back of that. Uh, Subsequent to that, we saw Chinese authorities uh, uh, extending the ban on uh, share sales from uh, major shareholders. So what that means is that all shareholders who own more than 5% of a company are banned from selling shares um, you know, until they draft new rules in terms of uh, share sales from, uh, from shareholders who own more than uh, 5% of a company. And uh, those rules may take uh, some time to take effect. So uh, those shareholders may be locked into those equities for some time. And we also see state-owned financial institutions stepping in and buying equities quite aggressively to try and calm the market. Um, that seemed to have worked to some extent today with uh, some sort of stability being restored and markets being uh, re- trading relatively flat by, by, by midday in, in, in Shanghai. Um, yeah, I think the one concern for China, obviously, is that this obviously uh, makes the f- f- financial markets less liberalized and, uh, you know, in a bid to increase their economic influence in the world and to increasingly make their markets more liberal to attract more financial inflows, um, you know, measures like this is obviously going to hamper that. But, uh, you know, let's wait and see what they, what they come up with in terms of the new rules for uh, shareholders who own more than 5% of a company. And when those rules come out, we'll see this, uh, this ban which on, on, on uh, shareholders owning more than 5% of a company selling stock, that ban being lifted. And we, as we know, that ban was obviously imposed um, in the summer of last year when we saw the Shanghai Composite Index fall quite vociferously. Well, Nadir, we're going to park it there for now and speak to you again tomorrow morning. Nadir Token, analyst at 27 for Investment Managers. Sakina Kamwendo on SAFM. Most analysts and economists.